You're listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. Download past shows and become a podcast subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Here are some highlights from this week's program. And this was the first person I ever knew personally that was diagnosed with MS. It really debilitates somebody in their motor skills and things like that, but their mind stays pretty sharp. And to see this beautiful woman now needing a cane and, and assistance now, and, and she's still, by my standards, very young and vibrant, but not so young and vibrant because of this disease. And it makes you really think about our own lives and how you really are lucky. I mean, I feel lucky to get up in the morning. They appreciate the simple things in life, which I think is probably a common theme in any area if we look at it in detail. They enjoy their friends and family, they enjoy the life that they have, and they make the best of it, and they really enjoy life. They concentrate more on on the good things that they have, and I think that's an amazing talent to be able to have it. The practice of functional medicine is to go upstream, find the underlying depletions, errors, complicating factors, make them as little as possible. Try to minimize any of those upstream issues to prevent the downfall of the diagnosis. That can give patients at least hope that something they could do will really help their situation. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes, and Tom Shepard of Shepherd Financial. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 100, Multiple Sclerosis, Understanding and Hope, airing for the first time on Sunday, August 11, 2013. Today's guests include Paul Letty, captain of the Crazy Horse in the MS Harbor Fest, and also of Letty Hauser Associates, Dr. Alexandra Degenhardt, multiple sclerosis specialist and neurologist with Penn Bay Medical Center, and Dr. Sunny Raleigh of True North Health Center in Falmouth. Doctors know a lot about many things. About some things, we know little. It is our great frustration. I became a doctor because I wanted to help people. I thought that my education would enable me to do so, which has largely been the case. I believe that what I have learned has, for the most part, contributed positively to the lives of my patients. I am still learning every day. My education will never be complete. I hope that someday my education will include a greater understanding of diseases such as multiple sclerosis. Like many conditions of the brain, nerves, and spinal cord, multiple sclerosis continues to be a puzzle we have yet to solve. We have many talented healthcare providers and researchers working on this puzzle, but it remains what is called a disease of exclusion. That is, we make a diagnosis of MS when we are unable to diagnose anything else that the symptoms could possibly reflect. We have few perfect answers when it comes to MS, and we decidedly do not have a cure. Thus, we must remain hopeful even in the face of uncertainty. 
Our hope is strengthened by individuals like Paul Letty, who races in the MS Harborfest each year in honor of his friends with MS. Our hope is strengthened by neurologist Dr. Alexandra Degenhart, who cares for MS patients out of her Penn Bay office in Maine's Midcoast, and Dr. Sunny Rowley of True North Health Center in Falmouth. We doctors do not know everything, that is clear. But we haven't given up on attempting to learn about multiple sclerosis and diseases like it. We hope that you will learn something about MS and hope on today's show. Thank you for joining us today. I'm a person who loves the ocean and loves boats. I don't have one, so I always rely upon other people's um, generous boat lending. And last year, Paul Letty invited me and uh, Kevin Thomas, the publisher of Maine Magazine, to be on his boat during the MS Harbor Fest. I, of course, was unable to go, so I've regretted that every day since. And this year, I believe that, Paul, you're doing it again. And I believe Sean Thomas is going to be on the boat taking photographs, if I understand correctly. I just met Sean, actually. So yes. I didn't know that. That's. I think that's the arrangement. And I'm so jealous because... Well, you're always invited. You have a standing invitation, you and Kevin, of course, both. Well, thank you. And thank you for doing the MS Regatta because um, you've been doing this now 10 years. About 10 years. Yep. I think I missed a year or two in yep. there. And this is something that raises money, obviously, for multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. And it brings together a lot of your different interests, I think. You know, community, sailing, and, you know, there's all, all kinds of fundraisers that people get involved in because they like running or they like biking or, you know, these type of things. And sailing's my thing. And actually skiing, too. So I'll also get involved in the Try for Cure in the wintertime with the skiing. So if it's something that somebody, an individual is interested in, yeah, that, that, that would fit right into raising funds for it. Makes, it. makes it more of a purposeful challenge than just going out and having a race. As far as multiple sclerosis, you actually have people in your life that um, you know who suffer from this disease. Of course, it's a devastating disease for which we have no cure. Um, tell me how this has impacted you. Well, I, I do. Ha I have um, three people in my life, two closer than one. One is a, a very, very good friend of mine's mother. And, you know, just to see, and this was the first person I ever knew personally that was diagnosed with, with MS. And, you know, as you know, it's, it, uh, it has something to do with the neuro neurological um, parts of our body and but but it really debilitates somebody you know in their motor skills and things like that but their mind stays pretty sharp and to see this beautiful woman you know now needing a cane and and assistance now and, and she's still you know by my standards very young and vibrant but um, not so young and vibrant because of this disease and then uh, in the past 10 or 15 years, you know, a good friend of mine that I went to high school with also is diagnosed with it. He works every day. He is my cork dork, so to speak, is who I go to. Uh, he recommends, you know, good wines for different uh, foods, although he thinks there's no reason to pair wine with food. You could just have wine. But anyway, you know, you know this is uh, something that you can just see there, these people. And, you know, my other friend, too, you know, they... They lose a lot of weight. They lose a lot of motor skills. A lot of you know they're not as active as they can be, and it makes you really think about our own lives and how you really are lucky. I mean, I feel lucky to get up in the morning, and walk on the beach every morning, and you know I might, at my age, I might be feel a little crick here and there, but uh, you know 
I feel a lot stronger than a lot of people my age that, that can't feel strong. It does seem as though you live life pretty fully. I know that um, I'm friends with you on Facebook. I see the pictures of you and your wife, Jen, and you're out, you're on boats, you're skiing, you're here, you're there. I know you work very hard, but you also really seem to embrace all that is good about life. As Jen says, if I could only live in your head, when she, she knows that I accentuate all of those things in our lives, you know, when we're together and we're talking to friends and I'll tell them about sailing and this and that, and she's keenly aware of the other side, which is probably the 90 percentile side of our life, which is, you know, just the hard work that we end up doing. Um, but yeah, we, you know, you, you got to stop and, you know, every single morning I'm on the beach. If you, you know, see the posts on Facebook, it's just sometimes just a picture of the sun rising and good morning to all my Facebook friends. Um, but we do, we, we get on the boat as often as we can. We're um, in the wintertime. We're at Sugarloaf skiing every weekend, if we can. And then we take breaks to go down. We've got a house in Florida that we'll, we'll go visit as often as we possibly can. Not as often as Jen would like, but again, that work thing gets in the way. And you've also tried to, it seems, um, incorporate bringing happiness to other people into your work. I mean, you are a builder, a master craftsman. Um, you do a lot of work with um, aesthetics and so there's that happiness you have also Willard Scoops in South Portland which I don't know if I mentioned this to you but I was there the other day and while I was there there were two women one I think was from New York she said I'm here from out of town and your ice cream store is one of the first places I'm going to that's a riot oh my god we do get that a lot though we get people that come out of town and either they've been to us once before or they heard of us and they stopped. And um, I mean, it's it's just ice cream, but it's good. I mean, we make it ourselves. Oh no, and it's not just ice cream. I can tell <laughs> you this. On. I mean, the solid caramel nut, and I don't eat a lot of things, right, but right. even John, who um, our audio guru over here, it's not just ice cream. If you're going to have ice cream, which I don't very often, you need to go to Willard Scoops. Well, that's awesome. I mean, it's awesome to hear that, you know, uh, and I have to give most of that credit uh, uh, well, I'll get a lot of that credit to Jen. I mean, you know, when we decided to get into it, we weren't going to do it unless it was different and quality. And it's kind of reflects everything else that we try to do in our life. If I'm going to build a house, I don't want to just build a house and like, um, I don't even know how to vinyl side. Like, I don't know how to put that on a house. And I don't want to, and I never want to, you know, learn. So we took the same philosophy of quality and, and uh, you know, natural and everything uh, towards ice cream. And it, it pays off to extent. It's probably more tedious. It's more money for ingredients. So your profit margin is less. But uh, we get, yeah, you get a lot of satisfaction when you get a line out the door and everybody's happy and everybody when they're getting an ice cream is complimentary. And they come back from out of town, like you suggest, and you know can't wait. We get, you know, we've got a Facebook page, so we get people from all over the country, really, commenting on the Facebook page. So that that is pretty cool. Now, ice cream might suggest, you know, you're an individual who likes sweet things and um, likes dessert, but you're actually a very well balanced individual. You were taught, you and I were talking, and. You eat a lot of organic foods. You said maybe 70% organic. You're very much into fruits and vegetables and cooking in a healthy way. You've gone gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really paying very, uh, you're being very mindful of your health. Yeah. I mean, well, you get to a point if you weren't, 
Um, and again, if you look at people that have debilitating diseases or and and um, or just don't take care of themselves, that in it, in its own way is debilitating, as you could imagine. Um, and again, I'm very lucky to have a wife who is very conscious about what we eat. And I've I'm not I'm not a tough sell though. You know, I'm very you know I used to certainly love to. Uh, eat bagels and sweets, cookies in the afternoon and stuff like that. And again, the last uh, probably five or six years of my life with, with uh, more healthy products out there, if you look around and see gluten-free bakeries that are now available and um, yeah, organic food is now available in, for crying out loud, Hannaford's and Shaw's. You know, you don't have to go too far out of your way. But, the, you know, we would eat 100% organic if you could, but you just, you kind of can't. I mean, that's, that's a really tall order. And, um, and then the gluten-free, as I explained to you, that's, that came about really um, from um, Frank Gentile, who suggested if I want to ski for the rest of my life and not have ice packs and Advil or cortisone shots, that uh, I, I probably should look at gluten, gluten building up in my joints. So um, he suggested I try it for 60 days, and um, that was about five or six years ago, and, and it's it's. It was hard to do at first. I first of all I didn't know what gluten was. What's gluten? And then when he told me what gluten was, I'm like, how how the heck do you do that? I mean, gluten's in everything. Well, it turns out it's easier than you think. And when you get into that routine, and now that there's more gluten-free alternatives out there, it's actually a piece of cake. But once you start going down that road, like I recently cut out most of the time, cut out sugar. And dark chocolate does not count, by the way, in the sugar thing. So every once in a while, I will eat some of our ice cream, but it's you know it's not something that I go for anymore. But once you cut that out, your cravings stop. You don't have that. So if you if you can get over that hump, like the gluten hump for me, and and everything else, if you're willing to try it, and you get over that hump, then it's um, you actually don't feel good when you go the other way again, and you go back there. Like you know, if I had. If I went to Q Street and had breakfast instead of eating, you know, granola and fruit or something in the morning, I actually don't feel good. And I never, you know, before I never knew that. I mean, I just meet, you know, the crew down at, you know, the the local, you know, greasy spoon and have bacon and eggs in the morning. And uh, yeah, I just don't do that anymore. Paul, I am looking forward to someday spending time with you and Jen on your boat, uh, the Crazy Horse. And I thank you for putting Crazy Horse in as, into the MS Harbor Fest again this year for Absolutely. the 10th year, I guess, minus one. Yep. And thank you for um, all that you do to bring joy and good tasting ice cream and <laughs> beautiful homes and designs well, <laughs> into the community. Well, you're welcome, Lisa. Thank you. And again, you, you and Kevin know you always have an invitation. Anybody here, Steve and those guys, I'd love to take you guys out. And, and I thank you guys actually for uh, giving me your banner to fly on the boat in the parade and, and sponsoring Crazy Horse. Um, I've always gotten a sponsor, but it's nice to have a sponsor that I have a real connection to. So thank you for that. So anybody who's looking for the Crazy Horse out on the bay, it'll be under the main magazine. Main banner. mag, yep, yep. On one side it says uh, main home and design, and the other side it says main mag. And, uh, and it'll be a lot of fun, actually. I, I, you told me Sean's on board. I think he'll have a lot of fun. It's a crazy crew. He's going to have to. He's going to have to watch himself. But uh, we got a good crew. Well, thanks, Paul. I appreciate your coming in. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. We'll return to our program in a moment. 
On the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, we've long understood the important link between health and wealth. Here to speak more on the subject is Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. What do crisis and extreme opportunity have in common? After years of working with people on both ends of the economic spectrum, we have realized that they both experience the same state, a realization that things have to change. The primary difference is that most of us that are looking at opportunity have overcome a crisis or two. The familiar feelings could give us comfort to know that we've made it through this darkness before. The big challenge the second time is that we may feel we have more at risk. To protect our resources and our identity, we've built a heavy and cumbersome system around our money that makes it difficult to move ahead. So the person in crisis may have more access to money than the one that stands at the doorstep of opportunity. This is true of us individually and collectively. What's left is a reward system that increasingly pays off for those that handle risk and capital differently than the vast majority. If you want to move forward, then come and learn more about how the design of money and the design of life have evolved. Please send us an email to info at shepherdfinancialmain.com. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Flagship Harbor Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Flagship Harbor Advisors and Shepherd Financial are separate entities from LPL Financial. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines, carefully prepared by experienced professionals, coupled with care and attention focused on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled. You need attention, advice, and individualized care. Visit their website, apothecarybydesign.com, or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way it was meant to be. As a physician, I've spent many years caring for patients who have uh, various acute and chronic diseases, and some of the diseases that I find most challenging and difficult to deal with are those that are neurologic in origin, that is the diseases of the brain and the nerves and the spinal cord. And I'm privileged today to have with me an individual who is spending her life now dealing with these diseases. This is Dr. Alexandra Degenhart, who is a multiple sclerosis specialist and neurologist at Penn Bay Medical Center. Thank you so much for coming in and talking to us today. Thanks for inviting me. Neurology is a pretty highly specialized field, and it's something that not all medical students know that they want to go into when they're first going through their process of deciding. What was it about neurology that interested you at first? Well, I think um, a lot of people um, of our generation are drawn to the brain because there have been a lot of discoveries and there are, there's so much to discover. So I think it's an area that um, does interest a lot of people. And then um, I, you know, just ended up in it um, because I still found it the most interesting as I went through. And but there are so many interesting areas of medicine. So it's it it's it's the one that captivated me the most. When you were dealing with patients who had neurologic issues, did you find it challenging at first? Because it's not as if they are, 
You know, if somebody comes in with a broken leg, it's a broken leg. Somebody comes in with, um, say, a cough, you can say it's bronchitis. Neurologic issues are not always straightforward, and they're not always things that can be diagnosed by MRI or CAT scan or any sort of testing that we have available. How did you deal with that sort of challenge? I think it's actually really fun because the I always viewed it as, you know, a primary care physician has to integrate so many different um, aspects of medicine, and they really get a hands-on approach with patients, and that's hard these days. And in neurology, it's similar. There are a lot of um, complex pathways to think about, and then you only figure it out by putting your hands on the patient and examining them in detail. Um, and that's much better than an MRI for most things. Um, so that, I thought that was especially fun. That, that's an interesting commentary because you're right. Many specialties these days, they don't even feel like you need to put your hands on. It's sort of an afterthought. It's like, well, I'll touch the patient just so that I can say I touched the patient. But I know that if you're testing um, cranial nerve function or you're testing reflexes or you're testing touch sensation, you actually, you actually have to put your hands on that patient in front of you. And that's the sort of intimacy with a patient that I think many people feel is lacking these days uh, between physician and patient. Yeah, and I think the reverse is true. I think for a lot of physicians, they might, they might um, miss that as well because you do gain a better understanding of people and their bodies, I think, when you've got your hands on them. So I think it's, it's nice and then it's fun too because if you can figure things out that a machine can't figure out, then that's fun. Yeah, it's almost like detective work and mm-hmm. can be very satisfying detective work. Yep. Multiple sclerosis. Uh, talk to me about that. I know that in our state and in um, the northern latitudes, we actually have an increased incidence of multiple sclerosis. Did that um, play into your decision to come practice in our state? Well, partly, especially because I super specialized in, you know, after neurology, spent a lot of time in it. So it was nice to be able to find a beautiful place to live um, that was so uh, interesting uh, and be able to continue my practice. So that did play a role. Um, So I feel uh, lucky that I was able to carry on working here in that area. So for people who are listening who aren't familiar with multiple sclerosis, um, tell us what that is, what it means, how it's diagnosed, how people might, um, what symptoms they might have. Well, the, the funny thing about it is it can affect any part of the nervous system in terms of the brain and the spinal cord, not the nerves outside of, of the spine. Um, and that really can encompass any sensation, any movement, any experience that a person has. So it's very hard to limit the definition in terms of what someone experiences, which also creates a lot of confusion and anxiety because there are a lot of people who do read things about it and then think that they have um, multiple sclerosis and probably there have been many medically trained people as well who think that they have it. The key thing is that it's recurrent inflammatory episodes predominantly that does affect these regions of the brain and spinal cord. It doesn't have to affect all the regions, it just has to affect more than one region and be recurring. And that recurring pattern can vary from one every 30 years to every couple weeks. So 
the point there is that it just has to be recurring. And so there's a large variability in what people experience, which makes it very frustrating for the person experiencing it. But that's how it's defined. And then by exclusion, other diseases are ruled out. And that's a combination of a good general exam, um, a good medical history, an MRI these days, and often a lumbar puncture, not always. Sometimes the MRI is enough, and then usually some blood tests as well. And when things are ruled out and there's no other possibility, then the diagnosis is given as multiple sclerosis. So the types of symptoms that people might have include what? So if we start from the top of our our bodies, um, really there can be headaches for some people, but that's not a predominant uh, symptom. There can be visual changes, blurry vision, pain behind the eyes, double vision. There can be changes in color detection. Um, so colors may appear different in one eye compared to the other eye, especially reds tend to be affected early on. There can be numbness in the face, pain in the face. There can be slurred street speech, trouble moving the face. There can be trouble swallowing. There can be trouble moving one arm, both arms, one leg, both legs, one arm, one leg on one side. There can be pain. So skin sensitivity, uh, pain in many areas of the body. There can be bladder dysfunction, there can be memory dysfunction, cognitive dysfunction. So it really encompasses so many different symptoms. That sounds like it could be a really frustrating problem for patients and their families to deal with, especially if it's, it's changeable over time. It's incredibly frustrating, and that's one of the hardest things about multiple sclerosis because it it pretty much remains frustrating. In the beginning, there's always this uncertainty a lot of times if someone has it. A lot of people experience going to multiple physicians before they get diagnosed or even multiple neurologists. And then sometimes it's a waiting game sometimes one episode occurs and that does occur in an isolated phenomenon and then that's not called multiple sclerosis but then a lot of people go on to have future episodes if they have this relapsing remitting type and then they're given the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis and then they play a waiting game so there's a lot of adjustment Um, there are very excellent treatments available, but it is a difficult waiting game for many people in an adjustment period, as well as things that they adjust to over time, different experiences, different medications, and then how people around them adjust, because a lot of people see these individuals as looking normal, but they are actually not always suffering, but they are going through a lot of turmoil and experiences that are very difficult to go through. For that reason, is it important for patients to have someone like you or or another specialist to uh, create a long-term relationship with? That would be the perfect uh, scenario. So luckily, most of the time, we can develop a long-term relationship. For some people, they actually do have to travel quite far in order to see their specialist. And then their primary care physician that they have a long-term relationship may take over a lot of that role if they have to travel quite far. Um, And then there are 
uh, a lot of people who can have a neurologist over time, but as, as I'm sure you and everyone else knows, there is an unfortunate uh, turnover in the medical profession in terms of a lot of people moving, patients move, physicians move, and that happens more and more these days, so that makes it difficult. We on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast hope that our listeners enjoy their own work lives to the same extent we do, and fully embrace every day. As a physician and small business owner, I rely on Marcy Booth from Booth, Maine to help me with my own business and to help me live my own life fully. Here are a few thoughts from Marcy. Do you ever feel that your personal or professional life is stale or business endeavors just haven't seen the growth that you were expecting? Maybe it's time to step out of your comfort zone. So many times we retreat to this comfortable place within ourselves because it's easy, because it's comfortable. But what if you took the harder path and started to push your own boundaries? Maybe that means really listening instead of controlling a conversation. Or maybe it's making some cold calls in your business. Or if you're shy, possibly networking at social events. Or maybe it's finally understanding your personal or business finances, asking someone for help, possibly asking your spouse or business partner. Think about the worst thing that could happen if you step out. Accept it as possible, but realize it's not that bad. Now imagine the possibilities of stepping out of what's easy, how exciting it could be. So today, step out of your comfort zone. You'll be so glad you did. I'm Marcy Booth. Let's talk about the changes you need. Boothmain.com. This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With Remax Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. Using recycled sails collected from sailors and sailing communities around the world, Seabags designs and manufactures bags, totes, and accessories in Maine on Portland's working waterfront. From the best-selling classic Navy Anchor Tote to fresh new designs, Seabags offers retired sails another life by turning them into handmade, one-of-a-kind nautical-inspired pieces. Please visit the Seabags store in Portland or Freeport or go to www.seabags.com to browse their unique collection. It sounds like from what you're telling me that this field continues to evolve and what we know about multiple sclerosis, um, like what we know about, say, the neurologic problems associated with Lyme disease or other diseases, we, we need to have more information on them. We need to keep researching this. We need to be spending money and energy on really understanding all of this. Definitely. And I think in terms of the state in Maine, uh, both those those issues, both Lyme disease and multiple sclerosis, although they're not linked, um, it'd be great. There's People tend to move around less here than in many other states. This is two big problems in the state here, and it would be great to spend more time uh, researching it here. So in some ways, there, this could provide um, an interesting and helpful population of research subjects. Yep. 
and hopefully uh, be able to quite quickly get some answers that would help uh, a lot of people. Dr. Dangenhart, you work with people whose lives are impacted by a variety of problems, um, neurologic, in really significant ways and over the long term. You're a young physician and you're living your own life. What sorts of lessons have you learned from your patients? Well, they're they're quite amazing. Um, and I think anyone who's in a field where they're exposed to a lot of people finds uh, meeting so many different people amazing. So that it has that aspect to it. Uh, but also you're seeing them when they're um, they're really put through so many trials and difficult times and and it can be you really see you know the raw nature of human behavior um, which isn't always nice um, and but then again is comforting when you see them feel better and and get control of their lives and enjoy their lives and also you see how well some people deal with with these difficult times that you know probably I don't think I'd do as good of a job but there are many people who do amazing jobs of that and and so there are many people who who I admire that they're able to go through uh, this and and really they they appreciate the simple things in life, which I think is probably a common theme in any um, in any area. If we look at it in detail, they enjoy their friends and family. They enjoy the life that they have, and they make uh, the best of it. And they really enjoy life. So they they concentrate more on on the good things that they have, and I think that's an amazing uh, talent to be able to have it. I don't think I have it, but I think it's amazing. Do you enjoy having these long-term relationships with patients? I know you've been at Penn Bay for about two years, Mm -hmm. but do you enjoy being able to see people over time and become a part of their lives? Yeah, that's that's wonderful to be able to see people over time. And, And it does lend itself to better medical care too, because then you know when there's a change in their exam and you know how they're going to deal with things and you know what medicines they tend to react poorly to and and how they tolerate um, all these changes and so you can do a much better job. Dr. Degenhart, how do people find out about the work you're doing as a multiple sclerosis specialist and neurologist with Penn Bay Medical Center? There are a number of different ways, and there are a few other people in the state as well who are concentrating on this area. So in Portland, there's a there's a very good MS center here, and um, they have a, a website to find out more information about them. Uh, and I can easily be found on the web as well. Our office can be called, and, and um, the office staff is very friendly and helpful. There is another MS specialist in Waterville, and there's one in Belfast. And then there's a a new MS center in Bangor that's just being developed, um, and they have a website as well. So there are a small number if you compare them to other states, uh, but they're nicely spread out, and, and there are 
many more now than there were a few years ago. So I think that that's great for the state. Um, the National Emma Society is also getting more and more involved in Maine, um, and and that's wonderful. And so they often make, they're based in, in Massachusetts, but they make a lot of trips up to the region, and they try and improve uh, and coordinate some resources. Um, and they, they also are a resource for persons with multiple sclerosis who are trying to find people for example, a physical therapist or a psychologist or an ophthalmologist or a neurologist in Maine who has this area of specialty, they're able to hook people up as well. We've been speaking with Dr. Alexandra Degenhardt, a multiple sclerosis specialist and neurologist at Penn Bay Medical Center. As a primary care doctor myself, I'm very appreciative of uh, people who are in your field helping me care for the patients in the state of Maine and um, the work that you're doing on MS. And really, thank you for coming down and speaking with us today. Great. Thanks very much. The goal of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is to help make connections between the health of the individual and the health of the community. The goal of Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes is to deepen our appreciation for the natural world. Here to speak with us today is Ted Carter. This past weekend, I went to a party that one of my clients was throwing for their 25th wedding anniversary, and they were both turning 50. And he met me at the door and gave me a great big bear hug. And she was so welcoming, and the family was beautiful. And I thought, wow, what an amazing thing to be invited to this. And it's on such a personal level. But that's what happens when you design for people. You really go into their lives and try to understand who they are and build something that really speaks to who they're about. I was talking to another man at that party, and he was saying, well, you've really done a lot of work in this area, and you've changed the way this whole place looks. And and he said, for the better. And I thought, well, that's good. He said that. (laughs) He said, we really appreciate what you do down here. And I said, well, that's nice. I I try not to really take it in and, and let the ego take over because it's really important that we keep that in check and in bounds, but realize that this energy flows through us and out of us, and we don't own it, and we we pass on just like our bodies pass on. We just move with the flow, and staying in the flow is very important. So when I look at a a willow tree or I look at a birch and I see how they're all weighted down with snow in the wintertime and they're bendable and they're shapeable and malleable, that's what I think of when I I say we've, we've got to bend and move and stay in the flow and not not get too rigid and not get too tight about things. I'm Ted Carter, and if you'd like to contact me, I can be reached at tedcarterdesign.com. We'll return to our program after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine. At Orthopedic Specialists, ultrasound technology is taken to the highest degree. With state-of-the-art ultrasound equipment, small areas of tendonitis, muscle and ligament tears, instability and arthritic conditions can be easily found during examination. For more information, visit orthocareme.com or call 207-781-9077. At the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, we believe we are helping to build a better world with the help of many. 
we like to bring to you people who are examples of those building a better world in the areas of wellness, health, and fitness. To talk to you today about one of these, fitness, is Jim Greeterix, the president of Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical. Here's Jim. Have you heard the buzz about the great new pain relief device at Black Bear Medical? The Laser Touch One is a new technological breakthrough that is effective in relieving muscle, tissue, and nerve pain 93% of the time in most people. And the great part is that it is a two-minute treatment. Come into our Marginal Way showroom in Portland for your demonstration today and, and see why this is the buzz around town. I'm Jim Greatorex, president of Black Bear Medical. Come on in and see our trained staff down at 275 Marginal Way and at www.blackbearmedical.com. It can be challenging to be a physician in today's healthcare setting because we really want to help our patients and we know that patients are coming to us with increasingly complex uh, medical issues but also social and emotional issues. It's always uh, wonderful to spend time with other physicians who take a broader view of medicine, as I think most of us are attempting to these days. But some of them, like Dr. Sunny Raleigh, who is at the True North Health Center in Falmouth, really are dedicating their lives to looking at health and wellness in a bigger way. So as we're talking about diseases such as MS that we don't really have good answers for, it's important to be talking to people like Dr. Sunny, because maybe she can think about um, ways that she can support patients uh, that are outside of the medical mainstream. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Now, Dr. Sunny, I am impressed that you are raising three little boys, canning fresh tomatoes and sweet pickle relish from the family garden, um, going to the Saco River. You, I know you have a background uh, playing, I think, is a division Division One soccer. Yes. Um, you've been all over the country, I think actually all over the world. Your husband's working on his PhD dissertation on uh, back to the land, going back to the land. I mean, you just have this broadly varied background, and yet here you are in Maine, and you're working at True North, and you're bringing in your specialties of um, family medicine, neuromuscular medicine, and I believe functional medicine as well, to help treat patients. You're sort of, you're honing down on what it is that you really want to be doing professionally. How did you get to this place? I was born in northern Illinois and raised on land there with a family that was involved in the tile and slate roofing business. And when I spent quite a few summers repacking hundreds of year old slate and tile and getting my hands dirty and finding all kinds of creatures buried in there, I knew that that would not be my future. And it was in high school when I was doing a biology class that I had the thought, I will be a doctor someday. So through my journeys through high school into college and then even beyond, I did not really know where and what I would do specifically, but I knew that I would somehow be in a healing profession. And it was when I had a life-altering 
appendectomy when I was living out in Sun Valley, Idaho, that really prompted me into action. And then that just catapulted me into the many states that I've lived in for furthering my education. And through it, my boyfriend became my husband, who is now the father of our three boys. And we were guided by what we believed in and where we wanted to settle, establish some roots, and then begin a family. And when we were living in Tampa, which is uh, where he was studying for his PhD, we discovered Maine. And neither of us had ever been here. And as soon as we visited, it was established that this is where we were gonna make it happen. And I did my residency through the University of New England in both family practice and neuromusculoskeletal medicine, which was the crux of, I think, how I became uh, the kind of all-encompassing physician that I have tried to become. Because in osteopathy, it's the um, A.T. Still, our founder, his adage was, you know, anyone can find disease. It's the um, goal to find health in the system. And so by doing that, I feel that that's what offers a different approach, specifically in osteopathic medicine. And then in my practice, trying to really support and nurture that hope for finding health in the system. And in doing so, I was in another model of medicine that was not satisfying, and I felt uh, un there was an unresolve within me. And when the medical director of True North, Bethany Hayes, approached me about really changing my practice, I was both intrigued, worried, and very hopeful. This is a rare opportunity. And so when I made the leap this past January to full-time at True North, I no longer had the sleepless, insomnic nights of, you know, that performance anxiety that I uh, have when I only have that 15-minute appointment, and what did I miss? Was there something I could have done more thoroughly? And there always was. And now, when I have this opportunity to truly listen to their story and then capture the highlights and put it on a timeline and make connections, and when I, it's a simple practice of a timeline on a piece of paper, but when, you know, 1989, what was it that happened? That was the last time you felt well. And then it was like, oh, foreign travel three months prior. Okay, well then let's dive into that a little deeper. And so those different connections that turn on a light bulb for them to see that there could be this connection, whereas before, well, those stool studies were always negative. It's not that. Or that test is fine. It's not the, your thyroid, or it's not Lyme disease, or, you know, you're not anemic. Your, H &A, your hemoglobin and hematocrit is fine. But when you delve in a little deeper, you can elicit 
few more pieces for the puzzle and that's what the time that I now have allows me to do. I try to complement their specialists as their family doctor and or a consultant and say, okay, I know that your specialist is excellent at managing this disease. I would like to support your entire system to optimize your functioning whole body to then support this disease process. So by looking for the health in the system and making suggestions for lifestyle modifications and making sure that their iron stores are truly at their optimal level and you know taking the time to discuss their last 24 hours of nutrition and really how do your bowel movements affect your life all of those seemingly littler components have such a foundation that my goal is then to broaden their eyes to see how that choice is then going to affect whether or not they're going to need that intensive steroid treatment from their specialist. And can we prevent that? So maybe your last treatment was 10 years ago with high-dose intravenous steroids. How can we make that 10 years further down the road, if ever again. And by supporting those patients that have such a potentially debilitating disease and to see how it affects their psyche and that they can fall into a categorization and then become labeled and then they could potentially begin to live that label. That's where I try to find their barriers to overcome that and then slowly break those down. I always give the analogy of peeling back the layers of an onion and with each visit, let's remove a layer and really analyze what now lies beneath it and where are we gonna go next. I try to lay out a plan, so options. Here's the spectrum, this end versus this end, where can I meet you? Is it in the middle? Or are you ready to go for the gusto? Or are you a little timid still and really need the guidance of someone else and need a little more, you know, feeling me out and making sure I know what I'm talking about, which I can support in that realm as well. Describe to me how um, something like functional medicine or neuromusculoskeletal medicine can be helpful in dealing with, well, really any sort of um, chronic problem, such as MS or maybe Lyme disease or, you know, any other of these issues that we have are challenged by in medicine. The practice of functional medicine is to go upstream, find the underlying depletions, errors, complicating factors, make them as little as possible. Try to minimize any of those upstream issues to prevent the downfall of the diagnosis. 
and then by optimizing the nutritional status of the individual, for one example, treating underlying chronic bacterial infections or yeast overgrowth or uh, analyzing medication and or supplement interactions that are causing X, Y, and Z by truly looking at the foundation of the problem and then knocking out each leg of the stool of that to then break it down and then by bringing that awareness to the patient that it's we have to think back higher upstream as to where we can have control over this really awful disease process when it's gotten to this big of a problem because it can seem very overwhelming but by going to smaller individual supportive pieces that gives them some ownership of I can not only just manage this, but perhaps overcome this to a greater degree. So I think with the approach with functional medicine, that can give patients at least hope that something they could do will really help their situation. As far as osteopathic manipulation, I find that by having that hands-on connection with a patient brings the rapport to another level and not only does the patient usually look very forward to you know just the manipulation appointment as a family doctor I can not check in with this that or the other thing you know before they lay on the table but I try to reserve that time for okay as we're here together, my hands on your body, let's see where we can improve on a muscular level. Are there restrictions in myofascia and in the um, muscles to get your hip more flexible? You know, on a deeper level, at a um, visceral level, am I going to help? with your intermittent constipation. And let's see if we can tone down some of the nervous system that's preventing nice regular bowel movements. And then, you know, I feel like on the the deepest level that I attempt to attain with each patient is that connection to the spirit, the whatever drives the patient towards health, where they're drawing their energy, and if I can meet them there and rest and settle and allow that, you know, embryo within the human to breathe, that is a very powerful connection for the patient that allows extra, I consider it extra healing to um, come in. The body has that inherent ability to heal. It's a marvelous, marvelous miracle. And I am there to kind of just give it a little pat along the bum to say, okay, don't forget about this area and let's really expand over here. And so allowing that expansion to happen within the entire body and then beyond.
is my connection that I ultimately aspire to attain. Dr. Sunny, how do people find out about your services and also the services at True North? The best uh, referral source that I have had is through word of mouth, and most physicians feel that that is always kind of speaks for itself. The wonderful social media has been great for True North of late, and, you know, our Facebook page has wonderful, wonderful links for everyone on multiple hot topics that we're discussing, and our website at truenorthhealthcenter.org has um, pages on all of the providers, our services, the different ways to access our care, and gives a great um, thorough foundation of our philosophies. What do you and your children and your husband look forward to doing this fall? Apple picking and lots of uh, preparing the beds for rest for the garden and planting our cover crops. And uh, our boys hopefully will uh, get on their soccer teams for the fall. And I'll get back into my uh, indoor soccer. And uh, Christopher is a professor, so he'll start classes again. And I've got a couple, two boys in school. so. It'll be great fun carpooling and getting into the school scene again. Well, you are a busy woman, so we are very privileged to have spent time with you today. We've been speaking with Dr. Sunny Raleigh of the True North Health Center in Falmouth. Thanks for coming in, and thanks for offering this um, broad-based care to patients. Dr. Lisa, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 100, Multiple Sclerosis, Understanding and Hope. Our guests have included Paul Letty, Dr. Alexandra Dagenhart, and Dr. Sonny Raleigh. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit doctorlisa.org. We hope that you will join us at two events coming up next weekend. These are the MS Harbor Fest, which is taking place on August 17, 2013 in Portland, and the Try for Preservation, which is taking place August 18, 2013 in Cape Elizabeth. For more information on the MS Harbor Fest regatta, go to nationalmssociety.org. For more information on the Try for Preservation, go to capelandtrust.org. The Try for Preservation Triathlon benefits the Cape Elizabeth Land Trust. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Dr. Lisa Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter and Pinterest and read my take on health and well-being on the Bountiful blog, bountiful-blog.com. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, hoping that you have enjoyed our Multiple Sclerosis Understanding and Hope show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists, 
Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes, and Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street in Portland, Maine. Our executive producers are Kevin Thomas and Dr. Lisa Belisle. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain. Our assistant producer is Leanne Wiemet. Become a subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belisle on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Summaries of all our past shows can be found at doctorlisa.org.